Hello and welcome to 60 Minutes with I'm Chris and I'm joined by my colleague Adam. Hello. Hello Adam. How are colleague. you? Colleague. I don't know. I'm shocked. It makes me sound professional. Colleague. <laughs> well you know we're we're in the film business now lovey. Oh, you know, yeah. That's so true. We're uh, we're right up there in the stars. <laughs> yes we are and uh, we are back after a little sort of like prolonged period we did say we we're going to do them every fortnight but you know life and shit gets in the way doesn't it yeah, so we're, we're a week late what's a week yeah fuck you if you don't unless like you, it unless you were a listener and you died in that week in which case i apologize but then you're dead so you won't hear it never mind yes it, uh, well maybe their relatives can listen to it on, on their part <laughs> <laughs> sorry um we could have a seance you never know he's <laughs> Do a show from beyond the grave and all that. It's coming up to Halloween, isn't it? So yeah, is that is that an option on Skype seance? Uh, no. Have you ever done a say a, a Ouija board or a seance or anything like that? I got a Ouija board when I was when I was small, but you oh. know it's, it's just that thing. Yeah, someone's moving it, aren't they? Uh, you didn't get poked by a ghost then, or um, prod, prodded by a demon. That. I couldn't sit down for a couple of days, but I don't know if that's got anything to do with a ghost or my mate's weird uncle who was hanging around in the background. <laughs> he wasn't called Jimmy, was he? <laughs> he was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll save that kind of chat for the Halloween show coming up in the next uh, month or so. But um, yes, we are back after our initial show um, for Biggles, which I think went down really well. We had some nice feedback from it, yeah. which was good. So um, anyway, uh, that was your pick. This yes. is my pick. And um, for the benefits of people that didn't listen to that show and the reason why we're doing this is it's to revisit films from our childhood and to sort of like you know look at how they've uh, weathered over the years you know do they still uh, do they still stand up to sort of like you know what our memories are or did, do our memories play tricks on us and they actually yeah. shite and is our that- childhood is quite well, our childhood extends quite away, doesn't it, really? It does. I mean, I'm 43, uh, you're 40. That's, yes. that's right. So we're sort of like, you know, similar age and, uh, you know, children of the 80s, I guess you could say that. And so yeah. a lot of our <laughs> list, yeah, a lot of our list, um, we, and we have got a huge list and it's it's been added to all the time because people are sort of contacting us saying, oh, what about this film? What about that film? Which I hadn't thought of. So, so that's cool. Uh, so we have got a bit of a running order. Um, and we take turns. And so, yeah, we've got a list of films that we want to revisit uh, that we haven't watched for a long time. Or maybe films that are sort of like, again, from our childhood that we really like. And because the stuff that you haven't seen and stuff that I haven't seen, like, for example, I hadn't seen Biggles. So that was nice for me to watch. And you haven't seen uh, Blue Jean Cop. No. Um, or yeah. Shakedown, as it was called in America. Yeah. Which um, I have to say, I think I prefer Blue Jean Cop. I don't know about you. Yeah, Sh- Shakedown sounds very generic. Blue Jean Cop sounds could be an action film, could be a gay porno. Who knows? <laughs> it could. Yeah, um, it's uh, it, it's a film that I watched. So this came out in 1988, uh, starring Peter Weller. Um, so I'd watched Peter Weller from RoboCop uh, around that time because that came out in 1987. Um, and I, and I loved RoboCop. Um, I suppose the story behind this film for me, um, it doesn't quite match your amazing story about sort of recording movies on an audio tape, <laughs> which I still think was amazing. Um, but the story behind sort of like this and many of the films that I guess I'll be sort of 
talking about is my nan. Um, I used to spend a lot of time at my nan's um, during the day. You know, my mom and dad worked full time, so I would go there and um, I've got lots of cousins. So and they all lived around the sort of like the local area and my uncles and but my nan's house was basically like a one stop shop for, you know, people and the door was always open so anybody and everybody would kind of drop in for a cup of tea and a bacon sandwich and all that kind of stuff well I'd spend a, a fair chunk of my childhood there and I loved it you know it was great my nan was brilliant you know really funny and uh, and one of the bonuses of going there was that the video shop I can still picture it now um, Hollywood Nights it was called <laughs> yeah classic video shop name uh, and we'd always go there you know during the day me and my cousins and we'd go in and ask for posters and stuff like that and so I'd spend a lot of time in that video shop and then um, as you can imagine we'd like I said lots of people lots of traffic coming through the house there'd always be videos not that those kind of videos I should say but sort of like you know there'd be just videos and films constantly from around that that era so you know you're looking at sort of I suppose mid to late 80s um, you'd be looking at all sorts Beetlejuice, Robocop, Predator, uh, Rambo Part 2, um, Bloodsport, Kickboxer you know um, we'd watch anything and everything i think the african queen was another one which i don't know if you've ever seen that with humphrey bogart which is brilliant you know mm. so there'd be all sorts of movies but generally films that i wouldn't show to i would be what sort of 11 12 years old uh showing 18 rated films and 15 rated films or i'm guessing sort of like for american um listeners like r-rated stuff do you know what i mean so it's 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 a weird situation which i'm guessing that you're sort of like you know you came from a similar background that yeah you know you'd watch videos and they would be inappropriate for children but they'd be fucking awesome do you know what i mean yeah definitely. Uh, and so like now uh like i said having children myself the sort of thought of leaving them around somebody's house and then sticking on i don't know fucking a nightmare on elm street or something of the equivalent um the terminator you know i remember watching the original terminator when i was when did that come out was that 1980 85 four, five, six, somewhere around 84 1984 i think the original terminator came out so watching that on vhs sort of maybe like 1985 1986 i'd have been yeah. 10 years old uh so <laughs> it's kind of not the best uh sort of like um, what I would say, I would freak out if my daughter was watching stuff like that. However, we're built of sterner stuff, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the things that um, I loved as being a kid. You know, growing up watching stuff like that, and um, I was going to say Shakedown, but uh, Blue Jean Cop happened to be one of the movies that turned up at my nan's house, and um, I, I, I fell in love with it. Really, I, amongst a lot of other films, and I've watched it throughout my life um periodically do you know what i mean I, i'm not saying it's i'm skipping to the end slightly but we'll, we'll talk about the film but um i i really liked it and you know i would watch it regularly bought the vhs um and you know kind of watched it into my adult life and uh, periodically again i've got the dvd so it's it's just one of those films that i suppose it's like a comfort kind of blanket film and i'm sure you've got them that remind you of a time in your life that yeah. was good and you were happy and you know um 
you just stick on and it's almost like I don't necessarily have to pay attention or because I've watched it that many times, you know, and you, you just kind of know what's going to happen. But it just makes me feel good, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, that makes complete sense. You, every, yeah, you, I've got those films. Everyone's got those films, haven't they? That, that just, just take them back to that time when things were simpler and happier and stuff. It makes it sound like miserable bastards. But the fact is, when you're a kid, life is quite easy. Yes. And uh, well, again, having a, a seven year old daughter who thinks that the the whole world is against her and, uh, you know, it's a fucking drama to tidy up a few toys and <laughs> go to school. Uh, you know, any the neighbours think that we're probably trying to murder her. The, the, you know, the, <laughs> the amount of shouting that goes on and all that kind of stuff. But it's it. it yeah, I, I it's just a, a different time. And um, anyway, enough sort of like reminiscing. But that's where um, Blue Jean Cop comes from, because it's a film that I watched at my nan's house. Um, but anyway, the, um, the well, one of the things that I'm really excited to hear from yourself, and I've got no clue because you've been really cagey about this, is what you think of it. Now, but don't tell us yet, because hmm. um, we'll go through the film and sort of like pick out a few scenes and just tell people what it is. Because I think the, the thing is as well, is that... This movie, um, it's it's one of those that I don't think a lot of people have watched. Um, like I said, I watched it and I, I probably engaged with it more because it got Peter Weller in it. Um, I loved Robocop and um, it got Sam Elliott in it. I loved Roadhouse. Uh, I really enjoyed Fatal Beauty, you know. And so Sam Elliott and Peter Weller together just kind of it works you know what i mean yeah. um so that's kind of what made it um you know a sort of really good film for me as well to get into yeah, um, i'm glad you've got all that because i i've a never seen it and b never heard of it yeah well there you go i mean that's the thing see i mean so you'd never heard of this up until the point where i decided to to pick it no not at all okay not at all Mm. And also it kind of uh, that feeds into our feedback at the end. So, I mean, we've only had one Twitter response, whereas with Biggles, we'd had quite a lot, which uh, so it tells you something again that, about the um, about the film. So if anything, I hope that. Well, again, depending on what you say, but I mean, I'm going to encourage people to go out and watch it because I think it's it's worthwhile watching Um and I'll explain why sort of more at the end. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go through the movie. So um, diver- de- developed, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> directed by um, James Glickenhaas, um, oh. who uh, I uh, never, no, I'll say never seen any of his films. Have I seen any of his films? Just having a quick, I've seen The Exterminator, which if I, I've seen that, I, a while ago if i remember rightly uh somebody comes back from vietnam and he comes back home and his home's a shithole and he decides to go around killing people um uh but that that and um blue jean cop are the only movies i've seen of his he's made nine uh eight films uh according to imdb um so i I take it you haven't seen any of his other films let's have a look now Uh, Uh, the soldier no protector no shakedown well blue jean cop not until now maniac cop i may have seen that uh i know he's only executive producer on that skip that director mcbain no mcbain i thought mcbain was the character from the simpsons yeah um but i quite like um the uh (laughs) the sort of like the films he makes the first four films he's made you've got the astrologer 
yeah. you've got the exterminator, you've got the soldier, and then you've got the protector. So, he certainly likes the. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, Peter Weller, uh, I really like Peter Weller. As I've said, for, for those, it's weird that I haven't really seen much uh, of anything else with Peter Weller in it. I don't know about you. Um, no, I think this is the first, the only film other than Robocop I think I've seen him in. Yeah, um, but he'll always be Robocop for me. Yeah. Uh, and he's brilliant in that. And um, But Peter Weller is one of those that, I mean, like I said, when I, I like a film or, or and I like the actors in it, then I tend to go out and try, when I was a kid anyway, I'd go out and watch the other stuff that they've been. And I'd kind of like be... Um, really excited to watch something else for example um mark hamill in star wars you know he's luke skywalker so then i'd go out and look out for other mark hamill movies or harrison ford movies and then um be really disappointed because it's they're not the same characters as they are in star wars and i'd be like oh but that's just you know my childhood childish kind of brain when i was a kid I was you know? say, harrison does all right as indiana jones yes but I watched Blade Runner when I was a kid. I, I, I didn't yeah. get it. You know what I mean? And I just thought, oh, God. And then he was in another movie where it's like a war-torn kind of romance like set in World War Two. I think it's called Hanover Street. And thinking, oh, it's got Harrison Ford in it. Yeah, this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not Han Solo. No, he's not Han Solo. It's not Han Solo. He's not. But anyway. Um, but anyway, then kind of like, so it's weird. Even though I think I've watched loads of Peter Weller stuff. I clearly haven't, because I can only remember um, this and RoboCop and RoboCop 2, obviously. Um, I haven't watched Naked Lunch. Um, I, I, have you seen, I, all I remember is he's kind of like, it's a weird fucking film. Um, a, a, have you seen that or heard of that? Oh, I've heard of it, and I think I've seen bits of it, but I couldn't tell you when, where, how, or why. Just very trippy, just like yeah. kind of monsters or whatever they are, smoking. Big talking. insects. A cockroach or something smoking is that it or something I... like that yeah yeah so um but yeah sam elliott like i said th- t- to me sam elliott is kind of like at his best when he's got like um longish gray hair and um you know he talks he's a bit of a tough guy and he talks with that dr- sort of like drawl you know and it's he- like kind of like i said uh roadhouse kind of you know blue jeans i've seen roadhouse yeah, what? I've got it. I've never seen it. Really. Come on. Oh, man. I know, it's shocking. It's a, one of those big holes. But Sam Elliott, I don't know that well. I mean, I know he speaks like he's got a mouthful of gravel and Jack Daniels. But um, was he in... Oh, what's that? Is it? Was he in Mask? Yes. yes. Uh, share. Basically, yeah. Me as I know him from Mask and The Big Lebowski. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so that's I mean, about it, really. yeah, I mean, Sam Elliott's been around. For, I think he's probably into. Well, say he's done better. I think he's been in probably more movies than uh, that you've probably seen than Peter Weller. You know what I mean? He was recently in *A Star Is Born*, which I haven't watched, but uh, he was also in um, *Justified*, which is a brilliant TV show with. Um, Oh, Timothy Oliphant. I can't. I, I go all quivery when I think <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. But and then anyway. Um. So um. Yeah. And then there's a you know sort of like a, I suppose a bit of an eclectic cast and whatever. But um, the movie uh is about uh, if I just well if I just have a quick look on IMDb. It's got a six point zero out of ten, and that's out of two thousand five hundred and forty two. Um stars or ratings so that's not too bad i think no. for sort of like um 
you know, a, an 80s thriller stroke action movie that barely anybody's watched. Um, I think that's that's fairly healthy. Um, so let's have a quick look. Um, I'll go with um, there was one on IMDb that I, I saw, which I quite liked, which I've now immediately lost. Here we go. Um, so a drug dealer shoots a corrupt police officer. Though the drug dealer admits his guilt, he pleads self-defense. His lawyer, Roland Dalton, Peter Weller, um, and renegade loner NYPD narcotics agent, Richie Marks, uh, Sam Elliott, pursue evidence in his favor. They encounter difficulties from other corrupt police officers, drug dealers, and various street scum. Uh, Dalton's life is further complicated by the fact that the prosecuting attorney is a former lover. And that was written by Melissa Portel. So that's fairly succinct, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That pretty much wraps most things into it. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, in terms of just having a quick look here, there's nothing on um, Metacritic in terms of ratings or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but looking at this, it had a budget of $6 million and it grossed uh, $10 million. So a modest profit, I would suggest. Yeah, uh, that's not too bad for the kind of film, is it really? Yeah, there you go. Um so if I just kind of go through some of the, well, through some of the scenes of the movie uh, and then we can go from there. That's all right Ooh. with you? Yeah. Oh, are we putting the trailer in? Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well done. Uh, <laughs> yes. Have you watched the trailer? Just yes. Yes. Awesome. Uh, so anyway, well, uh, thank you for reminding me because otherwise okay. I'd, I'd have forgotten. Uh, yes. Here is the trailer for Blue Jean Cop. One thing I promise not to do in this courtroom is to pretend to you that I am representing Snow White for a client. An overworked lawyer. Once upon a time, all I planned to do was play the tennis sax forever. An undercover cop. This gun is clean. No serial numbers. They're up against a city where the bad guys have taken over. My client will make bail. And the good guys are the worst of all. You cops, you're the best that money can buy. Fifty K a month in evidence disappears. Plan on taking down an army? I don't know yet. Hang on tight, partner. Oh, I see. The ride gets rougher than this. You betcha. Just the way I like it. You better watch out. I can roll with anything you put out, buddy. <laughs> Who are you looking for? Can you handle this, or is this too real for you? Peter Weller. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone, babe. Sam Elliott. Oh, I know what you're thinking. I'm old and slow. Sit down. Whatever you do, don't call the cops. Welcome back. Thank you, Adam, for reminding me about the bloody trailer. God. <laughs> knew there was a reason why you were on this podcast. There's got to be one, hasn't there? <laughs> um... Now, I've made some handwritten notes. Hang on. Um, 
because because uh, yeah why not and um so um what i quite like about the start then is it opens up and you got the red hot chili peppers playing and um it kind of plays out with um this scene where you've got the drug dealer and he's smoking what I'm guessing it's crack or something like that. Yep. Um, Everyone loves crack in this film. Crack, yeah. crack, crack, crack. The, the, the amount of crack in this film is unbelievable. <laughs> kind of probably one of the reasons why I like it so much. But it's very, uh, very addictive, very boorish. Yes, just a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, there's and you can see, and it's one of the, like you said, one of the common themes of the film is the amount of like crack vials and stuff on the floor. Um is a bit it's it's unreal really uh so yeah he's smoking some crack he gets approached uh by somebody uh in a subway tunnel um goes to buy something but then you don't see what happens next which i yeah. really like which is kind of it keeps you in suspense the next thing you know is that the paramedics and the police turn up and they're trying to sort of like see to what's happened the guy who went to buy the drugs from the drug dealer is dead and they go to save the other guy um and the police aren't very happy because then they discover that he was a cop you know um and then the next scene um is when we're introduced to peter weller and he's making some horrible horrible kind of drink uh, yeah i can't it, remember what he calls it but is it milk egg and coffee there's all sorts of shit going in there i think it's it's one of those things that I think films from the eighties, they always seem to have like a scene like this where somebody would make a drink, uh, with a blender and they just throw anything in and it just, you think, Oh, that's really cool. I bet that tastes all right. And then you think, God, that's fucking horrible. Really? Um, there's, I think it's stone cold with, um, Brian Bosworth. I don't know if you've ever seen that film. That's a, a, a really corking film actually daft as anything but um yeah it's it's quite a good film he he does exactly the same except i think he chucks more stuff in he throws all sorts of like a snickers bar and all sorts of shit in there um i think they possibly mock that in naked gun i think priscilla presley's character is making like a smoothie in a blender and she is putting all sorts of shit in it yeah it's it's just one of those scenes that kind of i seem to think i've seen in lots of films do you know what i mean um yeah. but the other reason why I, I like I sorry I say, I struggle with this scene a little bit. Gone because, um, well, because like Peter Weller's character, I, I, it took me ages to realise what his name was. Um, Roland Dalton, isn't it? Yeah, yes. he's supposed to be like a really cool. He's, he comes across like a really cool dude. He's listening to Hendrix while making a smoothie, and he's you know I, I don't know because I only know Peter Weller from RoboCop, and I know his character in RoboCop's sort of you know quite streetwise and. Cool with a gun and stuff but he just doesn't look like a cool dude to me so i, I did struggle for a little bit i don't know why mm. yeah um i think i don't know if like the kind of character i think that he tries to portray or through the story and through conversations that he has with various people is that he was quite uh he was an idealist you know mm. and wanted to save the world you know wanted to change that that you know what stand up for the little guy and all that yeah. kind of stuff uh which is why he's a public defender you know he's kind of like representing um criminals i guess and stuff like that wants to try and help them um but somewhere along the way he's kind of got lost in all of that so and and i think throughout the story like one of the things he's, he has a conversation with sam elliott in a bar and he just says like all he wanted to do was play the saxophone and that's all he wanted to do so i kind of get the impression that he's a sort of a he's a bit of a sort of stoner hippie 
caught up with a corporate kind of world, if that makes sense. But yeah, at the same cause time... He, yeah, because he's just about to get dragged in further, isn't it? Because this this is going to be his last case, isn't it? Because he's leaving leaving to go even further further into the corporate beast with his uh, girl working for his girlfriend's parents, isn't he, I think? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And But the one thing, like I said, another reason for me to like this movie was because it kind of introduced me to Jimi Hendrix. Uh, I'd never heard of Jimi Hendrix until I watched this film. And then, uh, you know, it kind of just opened up the, the the floodgates a little bit. Not saying that I'm the world's I'm now the world's biggest Jimi Hendrix fan. He, I, I went out and bought the best of Jimi Hendrix, or I had it for as a Christmas present a few years sort of like after that. But Purple Haze um, is always one of my favourite Jimi Hendrix tunes, um, mainly because of this, which is another reason I, I, I kind of why well, I love movies um, because of the music associated with them. And I think when you get a movie and a piece of music that kind of just fits. It, it, it always feels special to me. I don't know about you. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, no. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so yeah, I, I really like it for that. And the thing is, his girlfriend then walks in, or his fiance, and, uh, you know, you get the impression that she's kind of a bit a bit snobby. You know, she's got a bit of money behind her. As you, yeah, as you... rich, rich daddy entry. Yeah. Um, but then she's doing all this kind of, like, you know, stretching and stuff like that. She's about to go to the gym or whatever. Um, but she's... The thing I noticed was she's putting her feet all over the fucking kitchen counter. It's not very hygienic, is it? You know? um, but yeah, so anyway, um, Peter Weller sort of like um, he, he goes to his job and then he finds out that he's representing this um, drug dealer who killed a cop. And um, he um, sort of. He, he discovers that, you know, he says that I did, I did do it. I killed him, but I didn't know he was a cop. You know, I thought he was an, an, a sort of rival drug dealer that was yeah. coming to steal my drugs and kill me. So that that's kind of what happened. Um, but just prior to that, he finds out that his um, former lover is uh, rep- is prosecuting this um, this uh, criminal, you know, yeah, uh, that's right, cause they meet outside, don't they, beforehand? Because he's having a having a beer with his mate. She he walks up, and I've, I've written down, um, why is he giving another woman the eyes? Ooh, they have history. Yes, yeah. You find out that they were together, and later on in the movie, you find out that she actually dumped him. Um, he was in love with her, still is, but she dumped him because of some of the stuff that he was coming out with, which. In isolation, when you when you hear it, like it doesn't make a lot of sense. But basically, they were they were in love with each other, and she he turned into something that um, she didn't like, which I think he's like basically he's saying that he's fed up of you know d- defending people and not getting what he thinks he deserves and all that kind of stuff. Which is there why he's kind of I guess in his eyes moved up in the world, you know, and gone yeah. off to you know get this amazing job on Wall Street and all that kind of stuff. Um, one of the, th- the funny scenes I quite like was where he goes to see uh, the, the guy who's representing and uh, this kind of prison guard goes past and there's a lot of kind of funny scene where he, they, he's giving his dinner to the, they, he's giving out dinner to the prisoners and he gives them a condom as well. Yeah. Um, saying that, you know, it's uh, something that they've been instructed to do. And, and this one guy who sort of like looks like he's you know, normal, I guess, he's, he's got pissed one night and he ends up in the drunk tank or whatever. Uh, he, he says, well, why do I want a condom? And then this big black guy walks up next to him and goes, I want a condom. You know, yeah. which I thought. 
Yeah, yeah, you feel fat as a fella. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I mean, the thing is about this film is it, it zips along. I don't think there's a lot of fat on it as such. Oh, good God, yeah. It's like it doesn't, a, doesn't it just. <laughs> yeah, it's like an hour and a half, uh, pretty much. And um, so, so yeah, it, it then the next scene is oh, just again jumping back a little bit is that the the guy he's defending says he was a blue jean cop which is the yep. first time that you hear that sort of like you know um being said and a bit of exposition for us explaining what a blue jean cop is yeah um which you don't find out until um uh sam elliott and peter weller sort of like meet each other and that and then sam elliott explains what that is but you're introduced to sam elliott uh, who is watching, I think, what looks to be one of the most amazing films I've never actually it seen. fucking does, doesn't it? Yeah, it people does. skiing and spinning around and using Uzis while skiing. It's brilliant. Yeah. It I, want, I want to see that. Well, I found out that it is actually another film directed by James Glickenhaus. It's The Soldier. So maybe. Yeah. yeah. She'll watch that bad boy. That looked because great. <laughs> it did. It looked fucking awesome. Because um, it's sort of like, it reminded me of like a Bond movie, but yeah. like a, a sort of like, you know, um, an 18 rated Bond movie. Because yeah, he's like, you say, he's skiing. Yeah, he's skiing down a hill and he's shooting people and there's all sorts of screaming and, and everything going on. So, uh, yeah, I quite fancy watching that now. Yeah. Um, so, but, and this is, I think, one of the things that, I mean, I picked up from it that, He's, he's asleep watching this movie. Like I said, it's it's loud. There's loads of gunfire. There's loads of screaming and shouting and everything else. But it's just it's the beeping of his watch that wakes him up, which yeah. <laughs> to me suggests uh, he's kind of used to the gunfire and uh, that don't make you know that doesn't bother him. Whereas it, his watch wakes him up with this kind of like you know sort of tiny little beeping sound. Um, and then he meets up with Peter Weller at the cinema, and there's again crack vials everywhere. Yeah, I wrote, everyone loves crack because <laughs> there was crack everywhere. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I was a little bit confused at this point because he they go into the toilet, don't they? And he pulls out a toothbrush from behind a like a panel inside the cinema toilet and brushes his teeth. Yeah. Does he? Has he got no home? Well, that's the thing, because you, you, like he makes a crack, doesn't he, um, Peter Weller? He says to Sam Elliott, "Oh, you know, your your old lady's sort of like been in touch, saying, you know, can you pick up the the laundry or whatever." But you never see anything of Sam Elliott's kind of uh, background or home life or anything at all. You, you just kind of, like you said, is he? he he lives on. He seems to just live on the streets, doesn't he? You know what I mean? He's either in the police station or. He's on the streets somewhere. And, and let's just say these streets are a shittle because that that toilet in that cinema, I wouldn't I wouldn't brush my teeth in there. No, that was graf- it, graffiti and crack, and that was it. Yeah, you can imagine that somebody got a, got a damn good bumming in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of that's kind of one of the things that I do like about the film is the kind of um, going to use a big wanky word now, um, which I don't use very often, but the juxtaposition. I, I knew it. I knew it. So between the street level and I, it is filmed in New York. There's a, um, there's a lot of scenes sort of filmed in New York and I like the kind of, 
because they're walking through, sort of like you know down uh, downtown New York or, or you know whatever, and I like all the cinema stuff and everything because it's like got films um, that are showing at the time. Do you know what I mean? Which and that all kind of looks authentic. You know what I mean? It looks quite real and gritty. But then later on, where uh, he meets up with his ex missus Peter Weller, it, like she lives in a penthouse kind of suite. Yeah. And you don't see any of that at all. It's kind of like it's hidden underneath all the trees in um, Central Park and everything, you know, which are quite, it kind of like, because uh, I've never been to New York. I don't know if you ever have. I've never have, no. Uh, I would like to. Um, but Let's go. Shall we go? Yeah. yeah. Okay. See you later. We'll, we're off to New York. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like the, um, it, New York in the 80s in particular had a really bad reputation. Um Ooh. I only know that through, you know, sort of um, anecdotally and through sort of like TV shows and movies from the time and stuff like that. And there's a a certain sort of um, you just, you know, it's a period in time where, you know, you watch movies from that era. And and whenever New York's in, it it looks like a shithole. And and I'm hoping that any American listeners who may have lived around that time and visited or lived in New York can tell us was it actually as bad as it was? Because um, it does look fucking rough. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm from Wolverhampton, which is <laughs> saying something. Um, yeah, so in yeah. the 90s, Los Angeles kind of took over, didn't it, in films to be the shithole? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's interesting that. I mean, I, I do quite like all of that sort of stuff. And so, um, yeah, uh, Peter Weller, you know, is asking um, Sam Elliott, what's a, who's a, what's a blue jean cop? And, does he know anything about this cop who got murdered? Um, he gets his first warning, doesn't he? Yeah. To not fuck with these people. And NC, Mr. NC comes up. He calls him NC. Yes, NC. I was, Which, at this point, I was thinking, oh, here we go. Is is the antagonist here? Some Mr. Fucking Big. Here we go. Yes. Yes. And and that turns out to be um, uh, good old Huggy Bear from <laughs> yeah. Starsky and Hutch. Um, which... Uh, I do, you know, um, oh, he's fucking Antonio Vargas, who uh, who's plays a character called Nicky Carr or NC, as they yeah. they talk about. Uh, he's kind of like the, if you like, the big drug dealer in charge of everything. Um, but he's not very threatening. He doesn't really do no. a lot, does he? No. To be quite honest, I think the 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 main antagonist in the movie is one of the cops, uh, who's yeah. a real a real shit bag, isn't he? Yeah, he he pops up my next two notes because yeah after after um dalton roland oh, i'll call him dalton dalton i would have just written dalton i didn't write roland till about halfway through yeah after he spoke after he's met with sam elliott doesn't he He goes and sees the blue jean dead blue jean cop's wife yes um and i put there i put yeah visits dead cop's wife she may be a strumpet because she was wearing a leather skirt oh, i thought exactly but that yeah I, I thought she's gonna she's gonna come on to him but no no not at all yeah, because uh, she offers him um, like a heart, you know, a, 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 an alcoholic drink, basically, doesn't she? Um, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, she's uh, going to be on to him, like you know, kind of a, a fly on shit kind of thing. Um, but no, there's not, there's not really any kind of. But then it did make me laugh, um, mainly because of listening to sort of like the bad cop, bad cop show that I've I've learnt this this term, where he then takes out some rubbish for her, and he goes, "Where do you keep your cans?" Um, so like cans being sort of like you know a uh, an American slang for tits, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But just sort of like going back a little bit, the reason why they're called blue jean cops is because um, if a cop has taken a bribe, then they go out and spend the money and they spend it on designer jeans, that kind of thing, rather than, yeah. you know, your good old Levi's, which is where, and I think that's really quite clever. I quite like that, yeah. you know. Um, so, um, so yeah, like I said, he visits the, the wife's dead wife's, um, dead, dead wife, dead cop's wife. And uh, gets an inkling for the garage, doesn't he? Just yes. Because oh, she wants to steer him away from there. So yes. um, and this is kind of when we're introduced to the, the crooked cops, you know, but yes. basically everyone apart from Sam Elliott is a fucking crooked cop. Let's yep. be honest. Um, but and the, you can question Sam Elliott's character as well, but we'll get to that later, later on in my roundup. Uh, oh, OK, so, uh, yeah, everybody is a crooked cop, but then there's various degrees of um you know nastiness shall we say and the the They've main got a leader haven't they yeah mullet as i as i wrote him down as he's got a, a brilliant mullet yes it's fucking amazing <laughs> uh he um pops up and he's got like a little band of cronies and whatever but uh he's he's the leader and he's really sort of like nasty and vicious and he's he's threatening a witness and a snitch kind of thing you know and uh uh and to sort of like you know find out a bit of information about this this club where there's a load of drugs and stuff like that and whatever and then you see uh these well, I don't know if they're teenagers, let's say mid-twenties, going into... They're all dressed up like they're going to a, a party, like, you know, yeah. a cocktail party. But they're going to, like, it's a really shit drugs party, which <laughs> is kind of... Like, they walk through, they have to go through all the metal de- detectors and everything else and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it looks shit, doesn't it? It's not... Yeah. It, I, I don't even know what kind of... It, is it, like, kind of for the high-class kind of... You know, I don't know. There's there a lot of MDF in it, though. It was a lot of plain MDF by the look of it. Like it looked like the set hadn't been finished, but because when they, just before they enter, the um, you find out is uh, NC says, "Welcome to Wonderland." Yes. And then when they came in, I was like, "Wonder? That's not Wonderland. It's that's a shit club." Yeah, it is, and because it doesn't look like there's that many people there. It's like these two couple, this couple, this. this and this one walking and they're all going wow this is amazing i think it looks shit you know i'd walk out if it was sort of me but obviously they go in there for one thing um and that's when we're introduced to uh antonio fargus um who is again typecast as a drug dealer he's either typecast as a drug dealer or a pimp um i think those are the two roles that he tends to be like i said starsky and hutch huggy bear um or have you seen uh i'm gonna get you sucker Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he plays a pimp in that, and uh, he's like a pimp from the 70s who can't get to grips with the sort of like, you know, he's been in prison for a long time, and then he comes out and he he realises that, you know, um, platform shoes and with fish in them and, <laughs> and and flares and pimp outfits have gone out a bit of fashion kind of thing. Um, but, you know, he's kind of reminiscing about being pimp of the year, which, <laughs> you know, is brilliant. Um but yeah, then the next thing that happens is that um, Sam Elliott and the shitty uh, bent coppers turn call up. Call it Mullet and his gang, the Mullet gang. Mullet, the Mullet gang. That's really good. I like that. Uh, they turn up and raid the place. Um, <laughs> that's an understatement. Yeah, where they've I got mean, 
Jesus. <laughs> They've got a fucking arsenal in their the, the, the boot of their car. They've got grenades. Yeah, a boot full of grenades and fully automatic weapons. It's just like, take your pick, lads. And it's like, fucking hell, that, that's an armory. And they, you know, they, they blow the door off with a grenade, don't they? Um, yeah. It, yeah. My question was, why does the door blow outwards? Is that a physics thing or is that just a wrong thing? Oh yeah, good point. Actually, I've never noticed that because uh, they put like um, a, a sort of like um, a suction thing on the door and put the grenades inside that. Yeah. Uh, you think it would blow inwards, wouldn't you? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Good I point. No, I've never actually thought about that. Um, I mean, they just go in there gung ho. I mean, they just go in there and just start shotgunning the ceiling and spraying bullets around. Like, yeah, they're, they're not really undercover then. No, <laughs> no, and then um, they send off Sam Elliott's character to sort of like take in um, NC, which is um, Antonio Fargus, to, to sort of take him, to book him in, and whatever, charge him with everything. Um, but then I think Sam Elliott kind of realizes that they're going to do some, they're going to do a bit more. Like they're going to, so they actually torture one of the, uh, the people yeah. there, like start tasing him um, and, and all that kind of stuff. So they, 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 they're pretty vicious kind of people. And I think what I kind of, t- you know, take away from all of this is that Sam Elliott's kind of like, he's seen this throughout his, his whole life as a cop and a career, you know, in his career and everything else, but he's kind of turned a blind eye to it. It's yeah. almost, and it's only through his friendship with Peter Weller that he thinks, okay, enough's enough. I've got to stand up to this now. I can't just kind of turn a blind eye to it all and, and all that. You know what I mean? I mean, I think there's a scene later on where he talks to a, a cop who discloses that um, it's his, it was one of his brother who was killed by some somebody else. It will get to in a bit, but yeah, um, that kind of like, you know, that's the, 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 uh, straw that breaks the camel's back you know what i mean yeah um so yeah and then um peter weller breaks into the the dead cops uh home and finds a yeah. porsche he does yeah a porsche turbo cabriolet as they yeah. say later on because uh sam elliott basically says you know if you want to find out what's going on or who's uh, a bent copper then you know police bent police officers don't know shit about sort of like you know hiding the money so that's what how he finds out that um the guy who was killed the cop that was killed was actually you know a blue jean cop shall we say um and also that then um nc he makes his bail which is yeah. one million dollars yes and uh, just got so, it just got it there ready ready yeah. just to get get out yeah and and that's it he's he's out of um of jail um and then the dead cop's widow, she she calls uh, sort of like this, uh, what is he? He's like a the property kind of uh, cop, you know, who looks yeah. after all the evidence and stuff and tells him that somebody broke into the home and so he's worried and whatever. Um, and then uh, Peter Weller meets Sam Elliott in a bar and they start swapping these stories about their past. <laughs> Which is kind of random, I have to say. Yeah, um, especially the sad story about killing the love of his life's dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it came out of nowhere. It was because like Peter Wallace sort of, like says, you know, he wanted to just play saxophone when he was a kid, but there was no money in it, so he, he was encouraged to go to law school, and that's kind of where they're at now. Um, 
and then Sam Elliott sort of like tells his story about how um, he met this the love of his life, goes up to a penthouse, she's got a dog, he starts throwing a ball for her, and next thing you know is that uh, he didn't realise the window's open of, of the... <laughs> Uh, of the, the apartment and the dog jumps out the window um and then he lands, goes down 30 floors and lands on top of a car or something wasn't it yeah <laughs> but then the funny thing is is that the way he tells the story he says he looks out the window throws up and i'm thinking god these poor passers-by have not just seen a dead dog or a dog <laughs> fucking flying through the air then they're covered in his sick as well <laughs> which um is quite funny but um you know, I suppose it's put in there to sort of show that they both had other dreams, you know, and, and other things that they wanted to do with their life rather than, you know, dealing with drug dealers and scumbags in shitty New York uh, and all that kind of stuff. That's what I took from it anyway. Um, and then uh, this is quite a cool scene. I quite like this, uh, where Peter Weller's sort of like walking home and he's surrounded by all the cops. Um <laughs> All the those sort of like you know crooked cops, and they're all there. They take their badges off. They're banging on the the. They've got their uh, batons, and they're banging on bins, uh, and you know wrapping it around their hands and stuff like that. He thinks that he's going to get the shit beaten out of him, or uh, worse. It was nearly a threat, wasn't it? Old, old mullets in the background in his in his thing. That's why I put mullets. Seems to be king bad cop. Yeah, it, mullet is the sort of like he's organising a lot of this kind of stuff because he's just sitting there, isn't he? You know, he's got the. Yeah. the uh, police lights flashing so you know it's a it's it's him and he kind of he's like I said um peter weller kind of sees it's him but i don't think he knows who he is at this point in time so um and then uh sam elliott goes looking for the informant that the that mullet was taught sort of like you know threatening and saying he's yeah. going to cut his balls off and everything else um and peter weller goes with him um and and the informant is kind of having some weird kinky sex uh thing like he goes to a, yep. a really sleazy place doesn't he and he's yeah, been more crack more crack um but lots of leather lots of like it's basically like it's um i always have this kind of vision in my head of like like i said kind of sex shops in like i said sleazy new york and it just seems like there's a bit like when I went to Paris um, years ago and like the Moulin Rouge, everybody goes, talks, you know, knows what the Moulin Rouge is and whatever. But basically, when you go there now, it's not just like a kind of like this romantic kind of place. It is where prostitutes hang out and there are sex shops all up and down the street and everything else. And I kind of imagine it's like that in, a, in parts of New York. Basically, every street is a sex shop. Um, there are some streets like that in Wolverhampton, I should say. Uh, <laughs> one in particular, there are literally uh, three or four sex shops on either side. I'm thinking, fuck me, how much like, you know, porn do you need? But Well, yeah. that's a silly question, really. But um, um, So... But yeah, he goes, and then the bodyguard who was at this kind of shitty drug party, who's um, almost like a, a black Terminator, I think it's fair to say. It, yeah, it, pretty much. It kind of reminded me of uh, like the Terminator because he 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 asks the guy behind the desk where this guy is. Uh, the guy just says, oh, "I ain't telling you shit" or whatever. So then he pulls the <laughs> rips the wall off, rips the wall off, and then. Like reaches in and lifts him up. Yeah. Just, I thought know. at this point, oh, we've got ourselves a henchman here. We've got yes. ourselves a physical threat. Here we go. Here we go. 
Yes. And uh, so then he finds out where he is. He rips the power lines out of the building. And then he walks into where this this guy is, this informant, and he electrocutes him. Um, You know, which as you do, as you do. Um, So, yeah, they kind of uh, Sam Elliott and Peter Weller discover the dead body. And uh, then they they, they notice a power went out, didn't they? So then they automatically go towards. Yeah. Towards where it's happened. I wouldn't think that, would you? If no. I just saw some flashing lights in the background, you know, or a few signs kind of going off, um, it wouldn't necessarily make me think, oh, that's where somebody's been electrocuted. That's why we're not the police. <laughs> we're, we're not Sam Elliott and, and no. Peter Weller. But um, so, yeah, the, um, they chase after him. And he, again, he's kind of like, the, it, it, like I said, this is why he's kind of a bit like a Terminator. Because... Uh, not only does he have some awesome like wrist knives that he fires at some cops. Yeah. He's then got like an armpit Uzi. Yeah. He's got like a, an Uzi strapped to his, his arm and then he starts opening fire on, on everybody really, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he just starts gunning down pedestrians for a reason. He's not bothered about, it's not just the cops he's shooting at. He starts fucking shooting everyone. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of, I have to say, this whole scene reminded me of the f- sort of like final scene in Lethal Weapon, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. where there's like a bus and then, you know, they're chasing after him on foot and then they get on a bike and they start chasing after him. And again, I mean, they don't give a shit either because they what says you drive, I'll shoot. Yes. So suddenly there's yeah, policemen driving a motorbike with a public defender person in the background spraying bullets out of a gun as they hurtle through the streets. Yes, trying not to run or, over homeless people. Yeah, well, yeah, they smash up Hobo Town. Yes, that's another thing. Again, what makes you think? Well, New York's a real shithole. Is that basically there is a whole street which is just full of homeless people? Which, yeah. you know, um, I think lots of cities are <laughs> a bit like that at the moment. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of like, you know. Um, a bit over the top, really, yeah. I think. But. And I've, I've got to say, this is the first time it became apparent. They may have been stuntmen wearing wigs. Yes. Um, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Particularly Sam the worst, oh, It's like the worst wig you've ever seen. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they chase um, the, this guy, this kind of t- black Terminator, and he goes over the side of a bridge or whatever it is that hasn't been built yet uh and sam elliott's kind of hanging off a fence and uh he thinks he's going to get shot but then he kind of pulls out his pistol and he he blows up the car and then you know that kind yeah. of thing but then the thing is nobody questions anything nobody sort of like you know questions peter weller you know him no. firing a gun or what he was doing um nothing really happens there's another scene later on which is a bit like that so this bloke, if they'd have taken him down, he could have been a good lead. But why question him when you could just blow him up instead? Yeah, he, has, he doesn't have a lot to say. He just looks quite mean, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, um, so then this is the first time that you actually see Peter Weller in court because he's that's that's his job. Um, he's very good, I have to say. He's very yep. sort of like charismatic and, uh, you know, uh, this is where we find out why uh, about his ex, you know, and um, that they have history together. Now and she clearly still fancies him. Oh yeah, he does. And uh, I have to say, I quite, I, fa- I fancy her over his, his fiance. Yeah. 
but that's just my own personal preference. Um, the tra- very rich ladies as well, does does, does Roland? Because both of them are absolutely minted. So yeah. Um, so her name is uh, Patricia Charbonnet. Is that, I think that's how you pronounce it. Now, you've, have you seen RoboCop two? Yes. She, if you recall, is one of the sort of like the when they start to do experiments on him and they try and. Uh, water him down you know and put yeah. all these other directives in and all that kind of stuff um she is one of the scientists that sort of protests against it uh and yeah so she, but she's got shorter hair and so i always think i, I always think of them that them two in blue jean cop but then also in um in sort of robocop 2 which you know it's a nice little link uh, sort of Makes me think of them. Um, it makes you know. It makes you think as well. I know our actors have been in loads of films. You know what I mean. It's like there's, you see them in. I'm trying to think actually. Like say you see two actors in the same film, then they're in a completely different film altogether. Um, I always think it's still a little bit odd. Maybe I don't wonder if they had a relationship or something like that. I don't know because it wasn't that long. I think Robocop Two was 1990, so yeah, it wasn't that long after. But um, why they just look back and thought, oh, well, they've got chemistry. Yeah, and I think they do. I think they do sort of like have some chemistry going on. Um, so, and she actually says as well that she misses him. Um, so you know, you think, okay, there's something going to happen here. Uh, but then the next next scene is that um, NC is at a drag race. Oh, Just... it's br- he's, and he's also dressed like a black Ronald McDonald. <laughs> um. It's just randomly there, this drag race between this kind of like this hillbilly, um, these hillbillies. Um, now, never fully sort of like decided whether or what, what, which way of the fence I'm, I'm going with this one. Did they sabotage the hillbilly car? Because they have this drag race and the hillb- hillbilly car blows up. Or, I, reckon, I think they did. I yeah. think they sabotaged. That, that was what I got anyway. I mean, it didn't I, explain it, but I'm just, I figured as much yeah yeah i i think that i think that's the way i'm going with it as well but yeah like their car blows up and then you know because he even says something like you know ah tough luck crackers that kind of thing yeah um but mullet man turns up yep and um he asks um nc that he's got to kill sam elliott basically (laughs) all of a sudden it's like we've suddenly gone straight oh we're gonna kill we're gonna kill richie all yeah, right, fair enough. Okay, but the thing I don't understand is why did Mullet and his cronies raid NC's club and then arrest him to then have him pay a, like a million dollars worth of bail and yeah. then steal, steal the money that was in the club, but then he's kind of got this relationship with him. That never makes any sense to me. Like, yeah, because I understand, you know, they, they'd take a cut out of his club and whatnot just to let it keep going in the background. But yeah, why would you make him pay a million million dollars in bail? Mm-hmm. Why would he be happy with, yeah, you can, yeah, you take your cut or your payment out of whatever I'm making. Plus, I've just had to spend a million dollars. Yeah, it don't make much sense, actually, does it? Yeah, so that's, that's kind of bothered me over the years as of. You know, I, I've never understood the link between them. I've, I, but when I was younger, I was kind of oblivious to it all. I just thought, OK, well, you know, the bad guys, the the, the bad cops are, are working with the drug dealer. You know what I mean? Um, I just took it as face value. But then, um, yeah. So the next thing you know is that Peter Weller has shagged his ex. And yep. um, I, I was quite shocked. I, I wrote down, Dalton, you cheat. 
I oh, mean, were you really? Yes. You, you well, no, well, were. I thought, well, no, I thought it was obvious they still liked each other. I didn't know if they were going to go the route of they never get back together or they get back together at the end after he split up with her. I didn't think he'd just go off and shag his ex mm. yeah. like, while he was still with the other one. I mean, that's just not biblical, is it? Yes, uh, it's not cricket. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he does. Um, she kind of says to him, look, this is a one time only deal. If you want to come back, then you've got to tell her because I'm not going to be your mistress, basically, which I think is fair enough. You know, um, she sort of doesn't want to string on along his fiance. Um, uh, but then um, he's back in court and he's having fun grilling a cop who loses his temper and all this that and the other and whatever um and like i said peter wellers she offers him a key to to sort of like stay with him and also tell the fiance um and this is the the next scene where we see uh sam elliott's fishing (laughs) as you do he's just (laughs) randomly fishing by a pier near the fairground yes um fishing and uh he's got his wellies on (laughs) He's, yeah. you know, he's he's got his his Wellington boots on, and these two punks, the yeah. shittiest like assassins that you know. You, yeah, it's not. I mean, thing is like, so this that bent copper's gone to NC, who's like a drug dealer. You think he'd pay like to have a proper, um, yeah. like assassin, a hitman, yeah. a hitman, try professional. Yeah, not just two like crackheads, basically. Yeah, someone who I, I wouldn't have to write this sentence. Richie is fish. Oh, he's been accosted by a permed yobbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they go and uh, he delivers quite a good speech, actually, because he kind of it's a bit like he's it's uh, a bit Clint. It's a bit dirty, Harry. Isn't I was it? just going to say yeah. it's very sort of like Clint Eastwood because he, he basically says, oh, I know what you're thinking. You know, um, you're young and fast and I'm old and slow kind of thing. Um, and it is very, very Clint. Um, but it's cool they're at a fun fair and uh so he not like arrest well i say he he gets one of the bad guys say he gets one of, he puts handcuffs on him on some railings yeah and then boots him over the railings so he's hanging by his arms yeah he's the luckiest person in this film okay that one who, who ends up just hanging by his hands because everyone else who Sam Elliott chases dies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, good point, actually, yeah. Well, you don't know afterwards. You might have gone over to him and, and you know, <laughs> Just slit his throat. Killed him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just sort of, like, get rid of the some more evidence of police brutality or whatever. But, yeah, he does. He, I mean, he, he whacks him in, with his bucket and then... <laughs> yeah. Pulls the gun out on the other guy, the perm dude. Uh, and then they have a chase through a, a fun fair. And, yeah. uh, you know, they then end up on a roller coaster. Fist fight on a roller coaster. <laughs> which is awesome. But yeah. at the same time, you just think, well, if I was Sam Elliott, I'll just fucking wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He can't Where's go he, anywhere. Where, exactly. Where's he going? Yeah. He's going to jump go. off. Yeah. yeah. They go round and round all fucking night. I'll stay here. That's fine. He's got to get off at some time. Yeah, that way he'd stay alive. So he had to jump on the roller coaster. He had to have a punch up. He had to go off the back of the roller coaster, rip the brake cables or whatever. So the roller coaster goes off the top of the thing because it's too going too quickly, smashes into a hot dog stand or whatever it was. Yes. I mean, that is quite a cool stunt as well. Yeah. I, I, um, but uh, so, yeah, Sam Elliott kind of, or Sam Elliott's wig, I should say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, you know, he's hanging off the back of this this roller coaster, and uh, yeah, he kind of um, you know sabotages it in, inadvertently. I don't think he means to, but he's he's trying to escape because this other guy is going to stab him or throw his knife at him or whatever. So he, you know, as he's kind of hanging off the back of the roller coaster, he pulls the brakes off it. Uh, but again, the thing is. Is that this guy, the perm dude? He's he then he goes, ah, I fucking escaped. But and he starts to you think, oh, he's, he's quite enjoying this roller coaster until it starts to speed up, and then he goes, oh shit, and it, you know, takes the corner at speed, and off it goes. Um, and uh, yeah, the, again, the sort of like you see the aftermath of it, but there's no cops really questioning Sam Elliott or talking to him about what's happened, no. or no one saying. You've trashed our fairground. No one's saying, Richie, can we have a word? That's two, that's two people in less than 24 hours you've, ki- you've killed. You're on this case, yet you're killing all the people who'd be useful. Could you just stop killing people, please? Yes, you blew up a police car. Well, you, yeah, you say you, you didn't, you know, you, okay, you, you didn't mean for the car to go over the side of a bridge, but you yeah. blew it up. You killed somebody there. Um, you know, you you were on the back. You were on a police, uh, sorry, on a motorbike, uh, shooting up the town. Um, you know, and now you've just killed somebody else, and then you trashed a fun fair. Uh, yeah. Well done. Um, but yeah, back in court, and this is the thing that, again, having watched the film and kind of looking at it slightly, I suppose, in a bit more detail, is that I, I don't quite understand because. Peter Weller's obviously shagging his ex now, and she's the prosecutor. So she's she, she's trying to um, prove that um, Peter Weller's client, who is the drug dealer who killed this cop, he he's uh, at fault for everything, and it wasn't anything to do with corrupt cops or whatever. He just murdered a police officer. That's what yeah. she's trying trying to prove. However, on the stand is a car salesman who sold man yeah who looks just like a mafia man uh he sold um the dead cop the porsche and then but then she's kind of questioning him and almost proving that the dead cop was corrupt because he paid cash for the car yeah but i'm thinking why is she going at lengths to sort of prove this now is it because they're shagging each other is it because i don't i never understand i don't understand that because you think well she's trying she's trying to you know destroy any links she just thinks well this drug dealer is a killer he's a cop killer that's it that's what she wants she wants to prove to the the jury but it's almost like she's going out of her way now to prove otherwise that yeah it's like she's trying to destroy the policeman's rep the dead police reputation to prove yeah. there's something more going on but yeah it's, it's a bit of a weird one that yeah i don't quite anyway um peter weller then puts the drug dealer on the stand uh who tells his story and michael, michael jones that's his name michael jones that's it yes uh played by an actor called richard brooks who i believe was yes he was in law and order um for a number of years i think he played a cop in law and order um so, yeah, he puts the drug dealer on. Stuff. I have to say, although he's a drug dealer, I feel a bit sorry for him because he's not like, I don't know. He doesn't come across. Maybe it's because all the cops are such shitbags yeah. that you actually feel more 
empathy and sympathy for well, yeah, his, his character is one of the few honest people there he never lies about what he does never lies about what he is didn't lie about what happened you know he had a gun pulled out at him first so yeah he killed him because he thought he was going to get shot yeah none of it's good but at least it's honest it, yeah at least he's telling the truth um so yeah he, he tells his story um the uh, sort of the, then the, you, you see a scene where Sam Elliott's in the, a bar, which I'm assuming is the same bar that he was having this sad conversation about a dog going flying out the window <laughs> and, and him throwing up on people. Um, and this cop uh, tells him that one of the, one of the people, one of the cops that the uh, Black Terminator. Uh, killed was his brother and that he's found out that when he was one of the first cops on the scene when uh, Michael Jones um, was discovered and and the dead cop was discovered that he actually recorded the conversation that they'd yeah. had on his jukebox that was playing the jukebox fuck me you know what boom i mean box, yeah. boom box uh, on on, on he, he pressed record at yeah. this at the time because he you know was I that, that use of diegetic sound at the start I don't even know what that means. Is that where, because it, it, it's like the soundtrack, but then it turns out the music's coming from the boombox that the, that the fella's looking, 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 licking, listening to, because then <laughs> doesn't, he turns it off. I'm sure I could be wrong there, but if I'm right, hey, that's a proper phrase, that diegetic sound. Wow, it is. Go you. I didn't even know what the fuck that was. Uh, so you learn something new every day. Yes, that is. So like, that's, that's what I quite like about the opening scene as well, is that not only that you don't actually see what happens and you only find out later on in the movie, but um, you do see that he's playing, the soundtrack starts with the Red Hot Chili Peppers and then it, you discover it's coming from his jukebox and then jukebox, fucking boombox. Um, uh, and then he presses the record yeah. button and play button as you would do when you're recording something when you're a kid and actually i think that's quite clever because i i didn't get any inkling at all and when they said that it thought do you know what that's so simple but utterly clever because it tells it shows you what he's doing in the first scene of the film yeah it, it, uh, yeah that's cool i'm glad that you you like that that's really good um so yeah, he discovers that there's a recording of the incident, and uh, he tells Peter Weller. And um, then, as he's leaving court, his fiance tells him that um, she's pregnant. Oh, I love this. Go on. I love this. I'm pregnant, and his reaction is, "Uh, okay. Uh, Richie Marks is waiting for me," and just fucks off. Yeah, yeah. It, Exit, exit stage left yeah and she's not even bothered she's not bothered by that as being the reaction uh, yeah i think she's a bit sort of stunned by it all but yeah she he kind of he just wants to go off and pursue this um this lead i think doesn't he yeah. um and peter weller he gets a court order uh to go to the evidence room if you remember where i said was um the dead cop's wife phones to say somebody's broken into my house so the the this guy who's on the evidence counter he's in on it as i said most of the police force um and he breaks a key off in the lock um what a bastard yeah the dastardly wanker and uh so he can't gain access to the lock and um but they don't know why he wants to get in there yet which again is quite cool but this is where the, I think things start. There are quite a lot of daft things in this film. But um, Peter Weller's solution to this 
is to break into the police station yeah. by climbing up the outside of the wall. Like in br- fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> now, he does it at night. I'll grant him that. But you still think there's got to be a few fucking police milling about this police yeah, station. I, it's a ballsy move. It is. Um, and, and the thing is, as well, the evidence, it, he seems to know which room to get to because uh, the evidence like kind of um room is right on the out on one of the outside walls so he just he knows what wall to get or what window to go through and he can break in quite easily yeah. uh, i think it, why hasn't anybody tried this before why wouldn't there be fucking <laughs> bars on the wall uh, or on the window you know what i mean it's just so it's a bit daft um but um he gets caught and um they see him bringing out the uh the what's the the ghetto blaster the ghetto yeah yeah. sort of ghetto blaster cassette player whatever um but they still don't know exactly what he was looking for and mullet cop he he starts to play russian roulette with him um now i quite like this scene i think it's really tense um because you know i think the way that peter weller sells it um you know and and everything else uh, and the way that the cops sell it it's, it's really good. I, I think it's it just it works. Um, it's very sweaty in that room. So it that, is, that, yeah. yeah, very well, very sweaty enough that it was tense. Really good. Yeah, but the thing is, what I mean, I think you, I kind of see what happens afterwards. But I'm thinking, what if they had shot him? They're in a police station. They'd have to clean fucking brains and yeah. Blood. Well, I think we've already found out that, that the police aren't bothered about if anyone dies anywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that they've tortured a, you know, uh, a suspect and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Peter Weller, he, he folds, you know, after the, you know, he realises that they're, they're um, uh, serious. And that did surprise me, actually, that he actually folded. I quite yeah. like the fact that he folded. I thought he was just going to, I don't know what was going to happen, but I thought, no, nah, he's not going to tell him what he's, what he's got or what he's after. But no, no, he basically, yeah, one one blank shot. He couldn't take another one. So, yeah, he just blurted it out. I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah, because th- although I think, he, you know, he comes across as a bit of a, a tough guy and whatever, like, you know, he's, he, when Sam Elliott offers him a gun or he, he he says to Sam Elliott, you know, when they're chasing the Black Terminator, you know, um, I'm from New York, you know, and he knows how to sort of like fire a gun and all that kind of stuff. And he does make a little crack at the start, you know, uh, like when – mullet cop says what were you looking for and he says true love which i think is quite funny um and then he gets a smack across the face and and then they fire the gun at him and he thinks oh shit uh so yeah he does fold quite quickly so i think he's he's not although he acts tough i don't think he's like sam elliott tough no, i don't think no. sam elliott wouldn't have told him shit i don't think um so yeah they say you know there was a, he says there's a tape and it, it's got evidence on there that you know proves that um, his client was telling the truth and, you know, that this dead cop did try and rob him and everything. Um, so they start to burn the tape. Um, and it is on fire for quite a long time, that tape. Yeah. That tape ain't surviving that, no. you wouldn't have thought. Um, but then Sam Elliott finds out where he is. Um, the mullet cop says, okay, shoot him. I'm going to set the fire alarm, fire alarm off. Uh, but then Sam Elliott bursts in, shoots the two cops. Yeah, again, no questions <laughs> asked. Yeah, he didn't give a fuck, does he? <laughs> and then um, he, uh, you know, um, so, uh, he sort of gets, lets 
uh, Peter Weller free, and then he goes off to court. But he's been pursued by all the police in yep. in town, um, and this mad taxi driver. It's okay. He has a Russian taxi. I get you there on time. Yeah, you know, I thought he was Greek. Yeah. I was no. just... yeah. something like that. <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, uh, you know, uh, I know my rights. Hey, uh, uh, and he sort of like, you know, they start swearing, ah, fuck are you, kind of thing, you know. Like... <laughs> I don't, a Chinese pirate? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, then so he, he races to the court and um, he, he the, you know, there's like a barricade of police stopping him from getting to the court courtroom steps. But, you know, this kind of... Um, this digger or whatever it is, kind of like yeah. What, what the fuck? Yeah, just runs into this this digger, uh, which lifts him over the barricade, and then they get out the car, and you know it's obviously all flustered and everything else, and the police try uh, are about to arrest him, but then this um, court clerk, uh, you know, who comes out with the judge, and she basically says, you know, on the streets you're the law, but on these steps I'm the law, and then the the clerk does a sort of crack a dirty harry kind of crack you know what i didn't get is like at no point is the judge wondering why there's 30 policemen all with their guns out pointed at this one man doesn't think that's a bit fishy at all yes yeah yeah. and also what the how did the digger man the little digger dude how did he know to pick up the car with his digger lift it over the police cars and put it on the court steps yeah yeah it's like he's been sat there waiting for that exact moment all his life it's very daft. It is. Uh, think... Yeah, it was one. Well, yeah, one of the daftest scenes in the film. Or it does... probably, no, actually, no. It's the it's the it's the daftest scene in the film. Yeah, it. I think the thing is with the movie, it kind of like it's, there's a lot of thriller elements, but there's a there's obviously some action sprinkled in there as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it does get a bit daft towards the end. Um, and then uh, Peter Weller is up in the judges' chambers and with his uh, ex who's shagging and. The judge basically, you know, he's been through all this. He had a fucking gun pointed at him. He's, you know, he's been playing Russian roulette. He's nearly died. And then the judge turns around and said, sorry, it's not inadmissible as evidence. (laughs) You fucking old bitch. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be going fucking mental. I'd be saying, look, you've listened to it, you silly twat. It's, It's even though it was burning for minutes at a time, um, how it survived we'll never know but still and it still plays perfectly you've listened to it you've seen all the police chasing me pointing guns at me you don't think there's anything fishy going on oh you can't use that as evidence (laughs) yeah fine (laughs) i guess yeah um peter weller then delivers his closing speech again you know i like him seeing him in the courtroom you know i think he's good at all that stuff sort of stuff um he then um, they find um, uh, Michael Jones not guilty of murder, um, which is good. Uh, but then, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a tense scene sort of just before that where, you know, he goes through all this and Jones says to him, I can't do the time. I can't do the time. And then, you know, Peter Weller loses his shit with him a little bit and says, you know, you're a fucking drug dealer, you know, and all this, that and the other. Um and and then he gets found not guilty. Peter Weller's happy. Jones is happy. But then he says, OK, well done. Congratulations. I'll see you in jail because, you know, he's going to go back to jail. You know, yeah. like, he's not going to change just because of being found not guilty for murder. No. Um, and then um, and then, then then someone 
then someone pushes down on the accelerator pedal of this film. Yeah, it because... does zip along. Yeah, they think, oh shit, we've only got a, about. Fuck, we've only got, got five minutes left. Got five minutes of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get a mullet in a car with 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 um with NC because they've got to go to the airport to escape. Yes, I guess. <laughs> I don't get. Okay, I understand. Um, the mullet copper needing to escape but why does the drug dealer why does nc need to go because i don't know i mean earlier on in the film he did mention the people he works for won't be happy Mm. and i thought oh at that point i forgot about that but at that point the film i thought all right so he's not mr big so we're going to get someone even bigger i mean we don't but yeah i didn't get why they were both running away together yeah, it's um, but again, one of the things that when I was younger, I wouldn't have questioned at all. But, uh, you know, because they're just both bad guys. But then they go to an airport and they get on this private jet and um, Sam Elliott pulls up at the courtroom and uh, he's got the the Porsche. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> just pinch the Porsche again. He's Blue the Jean cops Porsche. He's, yeah, they go theft to another thing. You think, hang on, he's supposed to be the fucking good guy. And so uh, all the other bad guys are uh, are sort of like, you know, even Sam Elliott's, uh, you know, well, like I said, I think he's a bit more sort of dirty Harry than out. he's just out and out bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there is a cool scene I haven't mentioned between him and Mullet Cop where Sam Elliott's cleaning his gun in the police yeah. locker room. Uh, and then, you know, it's in the trailer and like Mullet Cop goes, you know, are you planning on taking down an army? And he's sort of like, you know, Sam Elliott's kind of typical sort of like answer. Uh, I don't know yet. You know, something like that, you know, oh, maybe kind of thing. You know, it's so it's, that's really cool. Um, so, yeah, they're leaving. There's a chase. Um they're chasing after them in the Porsche. Um, well, they Wallet... never really get near them, do they? Because they're already on the plane on the runway when the Porsche gets to the airport. So it's just the Porsche driving quite fast. Yeah. Um, but through this sort of like, you know, the power of the Porsche. Because um, <laughs> that's the other thing I noticed about the plane is that it seems to be in that position where it's about to take off. For yeah. frigging ages. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, its engines would blow that car off the one runway quite easily. Yes. Um, and then Sam Elliott's um, wig, it, he, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he manages to climb onto the plane via yeah. the wheel, which is sort of like, you know, in the air at the front. Yeah. Um, All of this has happened in about 90 seconds. We yes. Were the, we were at the courtroom 90 seconds ago. Suddenly we've had drive through the city we got to the airport then sam elliott's clambered onto a plane wheel as it takes off and yes um and then the next thing you know is there's a bit of dodgy sort of like i wouldn't call it cg but a bit of dodgy kind of compositing or something a bit of green screen or a bit of, yeah. a bit of composite work it's a bit fishy in it <laughs> it's it's a, it didn't look great but i mean it's still you know he's hanging off the wheel but you can actually tell it's sam elliott doing it this time he starts shooting his gun at the plane whilst on it you know uh i'm thinking fucking hell you know what i know he's trying to bring the plane down but even so you are still sitting on the wheel of this plane if it blew up well you know um but then you see the plane kind of flying over new york and you do see the twin towers which you know you kind of uh whenever i see that in movies you know you still think from like that era obviously before 9-11 you're still kind of reminded of it and everything um and then he gets one of his grenades and pops it in the the plane um yep. the plane is now flying low because it 
it's been damaged from the yeah. bullet fire. It, it manages it manages to t- it manages to take off, get shot up by Sam Elliott, have a grenade put in it, turn around and then go for a, like an emergency landing back at the airport in about forty five seconds. In about <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and then Sam Elliott, because it flies over the water, low enough for Sam Elliott to drop into the water, and then it lands. uh, NC and Mullet Cop are relieved, because they think, shit, we're safe, we survived. He pats him on the leg, and then the next thing you know is the plane blows up, and, you know, um, Peter Weller pulls up and saves Sam Elliott. Well, say saves him, drags him out of the water. Um, I don't know what the delay time is on a grenade. I, don't, I doubt it's very long, but yeah. So, so that yeah. So that he put the grenade in the plane, dropped off, landed in the water. The plane landed. They then patted each other like all in the time it took for a pin to be pulled. Yeah, uh, amazing. <laughs> um, it's eighties action logic. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and then so like the next scene that you see, that's so that's it. You don't see Sam Elliott really right. after after that. That's it. he just fucks they off. Yeah, they don't really say anything, do they? They just sort of helps him out of the water. He looks a bit bedraggled. They walk off. Bye, Sam. See yeah, I do. It would have been nice to sort of like see that you know him doing something or uh, you know him and Peter Weller sort of teaming up at the end or whatever. But no, that's yeah. it. That's the last scene that you see with Sam Elliott. Um, and then expected like a, a fist bump or a hand clasp or something close up to the screen or some kind of body bro movement type thing or something. Yeah. Because yeah. then that's freeze framing credits. That's yeah. that's how those films end. But well, I do, I do, I do like the way the film. Is. So um, yeah. Peter Weller then he's at his uh, fiance's house um, and they're all talking about bullshit. Really, he's. he's... <laughs> His mother-in-law is saying, Yo, you know, um, you're, we've got about 500 guests coming to this fucking wedding. Um, I'm afraid you're only going to have like 10 people come, you know, because we're rich and you're a fucking pauper, uh, which is essentially what she's saying. And then um, I think he kind of, you know, uh, he finishes his soup and he, I like the way he just slams his spoon into the fucking um, <laughs> the bowl. He like, you know, it's really loud, isn't it? And then... Yeah. Uh, the thing is, Mrs. then turns around, which kind of softens the blow a little bit because of yeah. what he does next. Because <laughs> you think, well, she basically says, oh, not to him. To she everyone. Does- yeah. She doesn't say anything to him. The first he finds out about this is at this big family we- uh, meal get together. She ba- she tells everybody that she's lost the baby. Because etiquette tells you that if you're going to talk about a miscarriage, then it's between the soup course and the fucking sorbet. <laughs> uh, but then she also says something I, I never quite understood, because there's no context to it whatsoever, about a rabbit dying or something like that. I'm, I could be going crazy, but... I don't know if you picked up on that. I don't think I did. I think I was still flummoxed at the fact that she basically announced to everyone what had happened. Yeah. Um, the Peter Weller gets up and says, oh, "I knew this is re- I knew this is real bad timing or something to that effect." Yeah, uh, and uh, you know you don't know what happens next because then you know he kind of like that's it, which is quite a nice way to end the scene, I yeah. guess. Because you don't need to see what happens. Because obviously they're going to split up. Um, <laughs> But then he goes back to his old job, which is essentially a copy of the scene where you see him at the beginning of the movie, where he goes off, off to see uh, Michael Jones and he's walking through the the police station or the holding cells, whatever. Uh, and he's reading out the 
the rap sheets and he's and then uh the 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 prison guard that handed out the condoms he that's it you know and then the film finishes yeah um and that's it uh so yeah shall i tell you what i like about it and what so i I, i'll confess that um I, I, like I said at the beginning, this isn't say, this isn't a film that I haven't seen in ages. I have watched this film re- relatively recently. It's a film I'll... That's fine. Cheat on the first one, you know. Whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, but um, I think I did... I put it more on the list to sort of like introduce it to you as well. Um, yeah. So I'm going to use that as my excuse. But... Um, yeah, I I do watch this film periodically for the reasons why I've said, because it's kind of like a comfort blanket film. Um, but I don't watch it like every year. Do you know what I mean? It's not one of the thing is, it's not one of my favorite films of all time. I don't it's not even a you know, it wouldn't even get in the top 10. It's just a film from that sort of like time in my life, as I said, that I, I really like. Um, I like that it is an hour and 32 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, it zips along. There's, like I said, not a lot of fat in it at all. Uh, some decent performances. There's some decent action. Um, it's daft. There's a few daft moments in there. Um, I like the soundtrack. Um, not just the music, but I quite like the score as well. It's quite yeah. tense in places. Um, like I said, I like the fact that you sort of see on the ground where Richie is, um, Sam Elliott's character. It's, like I said, crack central um there's there's drugs everywhere and then sort of like you know the the opposite end of the scale you know there's sort of like manhattan penthouses and all that kind of stuff i quite like that um i quite like that it seems authentic though in terms of the way it's where it's filmed um you know i think it's it's got a decent story you know like i said for a film from sort of 1988 that is relatively unheard of um, I do think it's quite a good thriller and I like the leads in it. Um, my only one real complaint of it is, and Kay pointed this out to me and I think she's right, is that the soundtrack uh, or the music in the background and, and everything else, the dialogue doesn't match it. So it's almost like you ha- it's too loud for the dialogue in places. Yeah. You have to really pay attention to what's being said because it's almost as if it's it's too low. Um, so... You know, but that's that's really my only complaint of it. I really, st- I still really like it. I still think it's a it's a good film, um, uh, and well worth watching. But over to you because I'm I'm dying to know what you think. I de- I think I've got a general feeling what you think of it, but I'm interested to hear what you've got to say. I think I think it has you know it's it's not up there with the classics of the time. Um, a couple of things I was a little bit disappointed about were like it always felt like it was going to have like really good antagonistic baddies in it um but like you don't you didn't find that much out about mullet you know he's no. always there always being a twat but you didn't know anything about him mm. uh, black terminator i thought he was going to be pretty big in the film but then he got blown up pretty quickly yeah and like uh say with nc i thought okay at first he's the mr big but then he he's only really in like three scenes in the film one where he's in his club one where he's dressed like Ronald McDonald at a street race and the other one when he's trying to fuck off and he gets blown up. So it, it did feel like they, they had the makings there of some really like a good, a good like baddie, uh, like need baddie and like a couple of good henchmen, but they, they didn't really let them 
sort of grow at all. But then I suppose the reason is the thing the thing moves along at a fair old pace because there's quite a lot of the film that's set in the courtroom, which is is good for the story. And I like I liked all that, but it does mean all the other bits are pretty compressed. Mm. Um, but when it does let it let loose, you know, like the the bike chase, the plane chase at the end, um, Hobo Town, all that kind of stuff, and the roller coaster, I thought they were really nice set pieces. And I do love the fact that it, it did seem to you know shit the bed with about six minutes to go and think, oh for fuck's sake, we really got to finish this film. Yeah, and it just it, it just goes end, and I loved it because it was mental. And when it, you know, the whole plane bit was ridiculous, but fucking you know, excellent, stupid, goofy fun. Yeah, um, yeah, I quite like the characters. I like the attention to detail in New York and the the feeling that it was a, a you know a shit hole and all the crack everywhere, and you know, liked all that. So yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it was. I don't think it's a classic. I haven't got the. I, I haven't got the attachment you have because i've never seen it before but uh, I, I enjoyed it i like sam elliott's character i like pete uh, peter weller's character i did like the the contrast between the courtroom scenes and like the then the grimy underworld i just wish there was a bit more building in it but i suppose now they'd lengthen it to two and a half hours so you get all that it's got a lot to fit into that 90 minutes yes so yeah no i quite like it and the, the the main setup like i said with the uh, boombox and the tape player i thought that was a really neat little call back to the start of the film for this apparently important piece of evidence that tied everything together all right it didn't get used but i just yeah i like that i like the tie, how it tied things up and stuff ridiculous in places but um no i, I enjoyed it mm. oh that's awesome and you bought it for the princely sum of 50 pence didn't you yes i think my 50 pence did not die in vain yes the only downside to that is that you went into um a smelly shop uh, to buy it which um for people who don't know i'm, I'm assuming that it's, it's only a uk franchise store uh it's called computer exchange uh, or cex or, or sex as they say on their own adverts on the television or sex the sex shop yeah mm. and you can buy all sorts of um hooky or you know second-hand gear in, in them um usually well i think we've talked about them before they can be absolute gold mines for bargains but generally they are a bunch of robbing fuckers um because like when playstation vr was uh at its peak shall we say and very much sought after they would sell sets for ridiculous amounts of money or the move controllers you know so yeah robbing fuckers uh in a lot of ways but still you pick they they do have large 50p dvd sections Yes, I think they do. All right, you got to spend you got to spend a quid on shower gel to go and wash the smell of urine out off your skin after you've been there. But you know, that will last me a good few films at fifty p. So not bad at all. Yeah, and I think that, that's the other thing. You do tend to get people in there, the, particularly the, the the old shop in Wolverhampton, not the new one, which is quite nice and spacious, but the old one. Fuck me, it would stink a bo. It it was <laughs> it wasn't a pleasant place to go. Um, but, you know, there you go. Um, it was an alternative to game because, like I said at the time, you know, you could trade in your stuff. And, and well, game aren't the best at trade-ins and everything else. No. But at least you could sort of like pick from a, a fair amount of selection because they pretty much sell anything like entertainment. I mean, like they sell tablets, graphics cards, you know. Oh, anything. Uh, anything and everything, you know, but still not sex toys. Um, so, <laughs> 
we only got one piece of feedback from uh, Dave's tweets, uh, unfortunately, but it's a good one. Uh, this is our, at uh, FJK underscore action, who said criminally underrated movie, which I agree with on that respect. Uh, I say it kind of reminds me a bit of Lethal Weapon in some ways. It tries to be a bit of a buddy cop thing, but there's a bit of legal stuff thrown in. Yeah. But, but I don't it's it's not up there with like the likes of lethal weapon um similarly to um like biggles you know what i mean it kind of tries to ape indiana jones to a certain yeah. degree but it's not you know so but I'm, I'm quite happy with the fact that you know we, we, we've watched two films and we've both quite enjoyed two films yeah from that era I mean, at some point one of us is gonna fucking detest one surely but, but no, I, I, yeah no, not, well not well, we, we shall see from the next uh, one, because I'm just looking now, that uh, the next film we will be talking about in a couple of weeks or so is from 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this is your pick, uh, I yes. should say. Uh, directed by Don Coscarelli, um, starring Mark Singer, Tanya Roberts, and Rip Torn. What a fucking brilliant name that is. It's I love good, it. <laughs> <laughs> film i haven't seen in years i have oh, to say same here, same here. and there is a story about this deeply upset me when i watched it as a child and it's still i'm not looking forward to watching it for the reason why it upset me Ooh, uh, i don't know that yeah it's the beast master so a sword and sorcery fantasy epic so i'm looking forward to watching that um anyway um Thank you for listening. Um, you check us out at 60 minutes with.co.uk. Um, go to the website. There's all sorts of stuff there, all the podcasts and, you know, articles, everything else. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at 60 minutes with. Uh, I'm at dastardly jabby. You're at ape mutterings. Uh, there you go. And uh, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, send us some feedback. If you didn't, send us some feedback. Oh, one thing I should say. Can't uh, just send us some fucking feedback. Be nice. Um, I can't remember who sent it. I think it was a guy called Alex. Um, uh, Dave did forward me the email, but I can't find it now. And he basically says, you know, he enjoys the shows. He's an old listener from the same coin time, you know, which is nice. Um, and he was querying about the. Uh, he, he said he likes the, you know, the Beagle show, but he was yeah. also querying about the ABC shows and if they're still going to be going. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. It's just that, you know, we've got a new toy and we like playing with this at the moment. So, uh, but we do, we have got plans to do an ABC show uh, soon uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks. So we just need some fucking time to play the games. That's the only thing. Yeah, that's, to be honest, that's the real reason is that, yeah, I haven't played much yet. Yeah, summer holidays and all that work and all that shit, you know, kids, they're just, you know, fucking like the biggest cock blockers for enjoying yourself aren't they (laughs) (laughs) it's true you know it's true um anyway thank you all and uh we'll see you next time for some beast master can't wait bye 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 (laughs) 